We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back when it's interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today with me, a special guest from decently around the world. Uh, to get us started, do you mind introducing yourself and the game we're here to talk about? Hello, yes, I am Kieran. Uh, I'm the developer of uh, a game called Magecraft that uh, will be coming to Steam on the 13th of January. It's a turn-based wizard game, um, sort of quite a, a, a like exciting spellbook building game so the, the obviously when you say mages or wizards and spellbooks there are so many possibilities right of like of like what you can do what you can't do kind of when designing this what was kind of what was kind of your base inspiration for wanting to do this kind of and then how did you kind of view like what the player should and should not be able to do since obviously it's a spellbook yeah, so Magecraft is a is sort of a, an idea that's been stewing uh, for a long time. I sort of uh, I initially had a very very ambitious uh, idea of um, yeah, sort of a, a almost sort of like Hogwartsy uh, party of of student wizards where you'd learn uh, an almost unlimited number of spells along the way, um, and and then sort of as I started to develop it and and at the very beginning I was basically just playing around and seeing what spells I could make work uh, in the game, uh, and then as I went on I sort of trimmed down to the ones that that aren't just uh, different spells in terms of they they look different and and are called different things, but but which functionally do different things. So it's quite it's quite sort of interesting. A lot of the creative process uh, comes from trimming down as much as it does widening out. Uh, so you'll find sort of early on, I had a lot of spells such as like, maybe you're able to turn an enemy into a pot, or maybe you're able to turn an enemy into a sheep, or maybe you're able to freeze them in ice. Um, and then you sort of realize, ah, a lot of these things, it's going to have very similar effect um, on the, the flow of the game, on yeah, the combat. It, and it so, reminds uh, me of, of the, the whole thing of like, in the, I don't remember the game Prey, like from a few years ago, where that whole thing was like, you could change into anything. And at a certain point, you're like, yeah, but it comes to the problem of, I can change into anything. But would I like like the amount of that's the return from a developer of like what is that return of like is one person gonna do that is that worth two months of me trying to not die? <laughs> yeah, and functionally, how different is it gonna be in the game? Like, yeah, if I turn it into a chair versus if I turn it into a table, well, okay, I think, guys, I think that's gonna be sort of you know it's 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 fun more. to um, but it, the, the the return on investment is yeah diminishing. Um, when you've got the the broader your selection of of things that are sort of 
yeah, you know, incrementally different. Um, but yeah, so it's, it was. It's been sort of quite a quite a fun experience of of whittling away sort of down to what are the core mechanics and then how do they work together so that you can build up your spellbooks of several different wizards over the course of a game such that they'll always be fun to to play together uh, and they'll always be powerful enough to take on the enemies that you'll be encountering at different uh, power levels. Um, yeah, so quite a lot goes on uh, behind the scenes into, into that sort of balancing. God, no, that, that sounds like it. As we'll get into the game in a second, but as we're talking about again, as, as you, are, you are part of War shark games do you mind kind of introducing kind of the studio too obviously it's a studio not it's fair to say not the biggest studio in the world so so and you got but you do have a few games kind of up in steam kind of this is not your guys first run of the radio um yes yeah, so i am i am in fact war shark games war shark games is me um it's <laughs> yeah it's a it's a yeah just the, the name that i make games under for steam yeah, so I started I started making games over lockdown. I sort of started getting serious with it. I've I've made games for quite a while. I did a I did a degree in computer games development uh, at university, um, and yeah, over lockdown, just got a bit more free time on my hands, and I thought, you know, I could actually put this to some use and and put something out there and make the games that I've had ideas for and want to want to actually get onto the screen and and get out into the world. Um, so yeah, started during lockdown and have been sort of working non-stop since then um making games perfect actually let's kind of we'll kind of jump into this game again in a second if you don't mind but but actually i also have a degree in game development so i just find this discussion interesting of, of like that academic discussion to nice. like actually using those skills what kind of like like to mm. you i'm actually just going to say the obvious question that i think is it's very it's a useful question to a lot of people do you find your degree useful like like because to me like the, the degree to me, which I always, when I was, people ask about like game degrees, I go, there's a utility to them. And, and if, but if you plan to not be in the games industry directly when you have them, I go, I think you need to like morph those skills and kind of figure out how to translate it. But they're definitely very transferable skills, it feels like, to a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I think maybe the question that I would sort of ask is what's the difference in use between a games degree versus a straight computer science degree? Um, but I do think that that the degree aspect is useful. You sort of you come across quite a lot of programmers on the internet who've who've not got uh, a sort of grounding in a university degree. Um, and what you tend to find is there's sort of a yeah you can you can become quite a good programmer without that. You can sort of gain a lot of the skills without it. But you don't have sort of a lot of the the things that you wouldn't think of that lie behind programming. Just things that are to do with sort of how a computer works, how you can get the most out of your code. Um, a game is, you know, you're trying to, you're 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 rendering a really complex um, 3D scene 60 times a, a second, ideally, um, and you're going to be wanting to squeeze every ounce of performance that you can get out of that. So I think a degree is quite useful um, for being able to do that well. Um, I don't think it's necessary, but I also really enjoyed my degree, so I'd sort of I'd recommend it on that basis. In that, if you're sort of if you're passionate about game development and want to explore those skills, university is just a great place to do that because you get the, the time and the space for it. And also the thing I just finished, so my degree is actually in game design and development versus like a, like a more programming heavy degree. So I always have that fun stuff when I go into fields. I'm, I don't know if you have the same stuff of like I may know how to do something. It doesn't always mean I know the correct comp sci technical term of doing something too. That's always been a fun challenge of like, oh no, I know that thing. You just have to explain it to me of what this term you're saying to me is. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Enabling that that communication between perhaps team members or, or people with different skill sets. Yeah. It's always a, it's always an interesting one. Yeah, it's always interesting. But yeah, great. Let's let's jump back into Magecraft now to kind of understand your background a bit more. Um, so obviously there's a lot of potential wizarding or stuff out there. What do you kind of like? It, what is the what 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 was the inspiration for this one? Like, was there a specific world you chose this off of? Was it kind of a combination of different fantasy worlds you kind of based your rules off of? Um, well, I've, I've really liked the, the medieval setting. So in terms of, of theme and tone, I really went medieval. Um, yeah, as I said, it sort of came from um, initially trying to, to do as much as I can uh, and then thinking a little bit more about how to put that together. So the, the last game I'd made, which was um, Samurai, which sort of it's a lot more linear um, and it's got sort of more traditional skill trees that your, your samurais unlock as you go along. Um, and I'd sort of I'd built a bit of a behind-the-scenes system where I could add additional skills and made it quite modular. Um, and then so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm at the point where I can do a, a wizard game and and really sort of get the interesting spells. I'd always wanted to do things that messed around with time. Time is a sort of a, a concept in video games that it's it's explored quite a bit, but there's there's severe limitations that make it hard. Like especially if you're going to have any sort of um, yeah traveling backwards in time. So I'd really enjoyed the idea of how wh how far can you push that? Can you have games where time is malleable? Maybe not just where you're freezing things, but where you're undoing actions that have happened. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a sort of a bizarre inspiration for a turn-based game, but I really liked um, Titanfall 2 has a level where you're fighting in two different um, time periods at the same time, and that was really awesome. Um, so the, the idea of messing with time, the idea of uh, sort of having freedom to call on yeah sort of elemental things and mix that with i wanted uh, the, the basic philosophy behind it was that i wanted the player to feel very powerful at every point and for for, for the players to always be going wow I, it, it lets me do that um and 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 then sort of yeah obviously balancing that with the enemies that you then come across um and i think we've we've somewhat got there i'm i'm sort of pretty happy with the result um and then it's it's bad uh, that's, yeah, it's that isn't isn't sort of as intuitive as you might think. No, that makes that makes. I'm kind of curious how, how. Let's talk about this time thing. Did you ever get that that kind of that thought kind of going further? Like, because time to me is this interesting mechanic that some games kind of touch on, where others kind of just try to avoid like the plague for obvious. I think mechanical challenges. So I'm kind of yeah. Curious, I mean, either, I would, I would love to or indirectly. How 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 have you kind of thought about that or kind of dealt with that challenge while programming this game out? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to sort of explore time-based mechanics further um, in future games. Magecraft, it's 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 got playing around with time to a limited degree. So there's spells that let you undo things that have happened and turn back time. Um, uh, we've got spells that let you sort of loop. Uh, and a, a spell that's been cast so it gets cast again um so it's it's ended up sort of it's ended up being being fairly simple but but quite sort of powerful in in what you're able to do with that um i'd really love to sort of push that further maybe make a game in the future more fully based around uh time-based mechanics like you know what if you're able to to go all the way back to the to the start what if you're able to um fight alongside a previous time version of yourself um something like that which it's not you know magecraft the, the scope is a bit wider than just being based around one 
type of spell so it's not it's not got quite that breadth uh but uh yeah sort of it's, it's something that, that i think is underexplored in video games i like like i completely agree with you on it it seems something so cool to explore and i think that Titanfall level is is a master class of showing some time there's a few others that like kind of i think do time really well uh i so this is gonna sound like a wild one to me, one of the ones that always stood out was is that Super Time Force, like a decade ago, kind of with indie game. Like, that's one, too, where it's like, oh, they found it. there were cool ways to kind of get time kind of going that, like, mechanically is easier than it would have been, which is always nice. Uh, but yeah, so Mage Class, as we said, mm. has a bunch of types of spells and kind of... I'm curious, to begin with, we said one of the ways you did that with control this quality was, was calling out spells and kind of removing or kind of limiting some mechanics. Do you mind kind of jumping in? What is, what is like, maybe one of your favorite types of spells or mechanically and kind of digging into that a bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy um, anything that sort of plays with the, the more fundamental aspects of the game. So, obviously, it's a turn-based game. You've got actions. Anything that's, that's to do with passing your actions around... Um, anything that's to do with enabling people to have more actions and, and getting more out of that. So you can really ramp things up. Um, so there's one character who his magic is all to do with um, in, in, empowering his melee attacks further. So I don't know if you've seen The Witcher, but it was sort of loosely based on there's a there's a brilliant sword fight in the last episode of season one of The Witcher where a guy sort of magically can keep swords reappearing. And I sort of like, oh, that's that's quite a cool thing. What can we do with that? What can we play with? You can take the time to really buff this guy up. By the end, you're sort of teleporting around um, and and stabbing everyone in the back all in all in one turn and sort of chaining it all together. So that's sort of the, the spells that it really feels like you're almost breaking the rules of the game um, by doing them. I really I really enjoy that sort of thing. Um, and then yeah, just sort of pushing it. How how much can can players stack together to to improve their DPS, to improve the the spells that they've got, and then taking them to a to another level um, by by yeah time sort of repeating the spell again, and then it's oh and now it's it's building up, or um, you're adding damage maybe at the cost of of enemies now get more damage as well. You're sort of changing your environment a little bit. Um, so yeah, I quite enjoy stuff like that. That's interesting. So, so let's talk about that. So you said there are spells that almost like, is it like a, I don't say, a, is it like a buff, like battle wide buff spells out there? Is that what you're kind of implying? Yes. Yeah. So I, I quite like the idea of, you know, it's a, it sort of naturally balances itself. The, uh, yeah. A spell where you improve the damage that, that you're doing, but at the cost of, if you do leave any enemies alive, they're also massively improved by it. So yeah, balance-wise, I get how that works. I'm kind of curious how that plays out. Like, what is my advantage? I guess, like, I assume I could knock out the enemy so it's worth it. Yeah, that's the that's that's what you're trying to sort of balance. Um, if you can take out enough enemies in that turn, or if you can incapacitate them so that they're not going to be able to use their attacks. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, is there so I guess it, I guess it would be. Is there a way for like the enemies to activate something like this, or is it kind of like the player determines when something like this happens? Um, so that's that's a spell that one of the uh, one of the characters in your squad can have. Um, there are there are enemy spells which sort of buff the buff the enemies, um, but they don't. I'm just trying to think. They don't do anything that will buff you as well. Oh, that's, that sounds like a fun idea, actually. 
It just wasn't curious. Curious because obviously you activating it is like interesting because like it's this it's this card that like but the player controls it where like in the sense of like if there's some chaos of like oh enemies can either force you to activate it or they have something similar kind of cre creates this other element of stress kind of built in. <laughs> that's what I was curious. Yeah. Oh. So and that there's a there's the opposite spell as well. So you can you can nerf everybody at the cost of nerfing yourself. So if you're really on the back foot and you feel, oh man, I'm going to be taking too much damage next turn, I'll make sure that I nerf enemy magic. Um, but then that's at the cost of like, I'm actually, I'm really sort of weakening what my spells can do as well. So am I now going to be able to defeat them? It's, it's sort of, God, yeah. Um, so, so spells that have, that are that sort of a bit two-sided. And, and, and feel free if I'm doing this too much. I'm curious, kind of, did you or have you played with, so like, in a battle, right, so, and I picture games like this, is every, is it possible for enemies to kind of, so it's possible for enemies to kind of join leader in this battle, right? So, like, how does, that creates almost this really interesting dynamic gameplay of these buffs and debuffs of, like, oh, now there's more coming in, how does that math work out? Like, I'm kind of curious... If any of that was, is considered or was considered kind of when thinking of, like, the permanence of, the, of these upgrades, for example, in a battle. Versus, like, a few of some yeah, turns. Yeah, so upgrades. Yeah, so upgrades, they can, ha they can, affect, um, they can affect you for a turn um, or they can affect you for the whole encounter. Um, and if it's the whole encounter, then that sort of includes multiple waves uh, coming in. And... What tends to happen is the wave will be triggered when you defeat the last enemy of the previous wave, and so that doesn't technically end your turn. So if yeah, if you're if you're thinking with the turns, you can be stacking buffs or stacking sort of spells on top of one another that you wouldn't normally be able to do multiple times in a turn because when a new wave of enemies comes, you get more actions, um, and yeah, so that's that can be quite fun sometimes, sort of timing when you trigger the next wave coming in, that ends up playing into the strategy of the, the encounter. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's also very interesting. It, it leads, I think, a lot of interesting problems for you to test, I feel like. Of like trying to figure out what, yes. what can break <laughs> stuff. Because <laughs> I could just see a combo of stuff I could try to do, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a problem. <laughs> So as we are yeah, talking... Yeah, I mean, this is, this is why you go to... Uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, this is why you go to um, university and get a, a game development degree because then you know your design patterns and you can sort of... You get a bit of an idea what's going to cause me problems in the future. How can I mitigate that? Yeah, so as we are talking, the game comes out pretty soon. It comes out in, like, three-ish weeks. Uh, uh, we are right before the, the, yeah. uh, the holidays here. What? How what what can people kind of expect at launch, kind of as a as a package, and then kind of are there any plans either announced or that you're comfortable talking about? If you don't, don't feel like you have to. Kind of what what it looks like, kind of once this comes out, and then kind of if there's any roadmap afterwards. Yeah, so at launch, um, I'm expecting the the length of, of a first time play to probably be about ten hours, um, and uh, it's yeah, so it's a full. Uh, story experience you've got three worlds you've got a team of up to um, six mages of whom you take three into uh, each encounter so you're getting yeah a complete uh, story games that hopefully will will really challenge um, players who are who are even familiar with uh, turn-based strategy games 
Um, and then, yeah, post-launch, uh, it's mostly ideas rather than any concrete plans. I've got sort of maybe a couple of extra game modes that might get thrown in there. Um, and I'll be wanting to, yeah, I'll be wanting to sort of make sure that, yeah, if there's bugs emerging, which is, is almost inevitable, um, then I'm I'm able to have a, have a bit of time to stamp on those without having too much sort of planned in. Um, so, yeah, so it's not, not any hard plans post-launch at the moment, uh, but but maybe hopes and dreams. Hey, it's always we all we all we all hope to. And I think it's also just like, just because obviously your game being what it is mechanically. I think there is a lot of room for potentials of like obviously of like oh I'm assuming you have plenty of ideas. We talk about time or other stuff of what what you'd want to do if you had more time resources for a spell. So that's gonna be very curious. Uh, but yeah, everyone should go at least wishlist the game. It's right now available to wishlist on Steam. The game is Mage Craft. You are a War Shark Games. Uh, as we were talking about the game, is there anything that you feel we are missing that you really want to touch on, whether it's other mechanics of certain types of spells, whether it's story, whether it's battle mechanics? What what kind of, if, if we were, if there's any other spot that you think that people might want to go check out the game, what what, what stands out to you? Um, I, I th I'm quite happy with how the aesthetic has turned out. Um, and that's that's obviously sort of uh, it's surprising how big an effect that can have on the experience of the game but it's sort of quite a fun uh, cartoony aesthetic if you like medieval stuff it's all uh, about Merlin um, sort of Merlin is the, 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 the tutor mentor figure in this and there's a bit of sort of bit of Arthurian lore in there so uh, for people who are into that sort of thing um, I think it might appeal Nice, yeah. Yeah, Merlin's always an interesting character in fiction of obviously we have 10,000 variations of him. When, when you kind of picture Merlin or like a Merlin character, what, what kind of stands out to you as like a favorite? Is it that like traditional old wise man? Is it kind of the more questionable ethics one? Like kind of what, what, what to you is Merlin? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the storytelling in, in Magecraft is very behind the scenes and you're just picking it up through snatches of dialogue and, and the world. Um, but yeah, Merlin, I, I sort of like the slightly more grey character because, you know, when you when you sort of, you know, a lot of people, you think Merlin and, and maybe, I don't know if you know the, the old Disney film Sword in the Stone, and that's a very entertaining um, take on the character. But actually, you, you sort of look at the old Arthurian legends and he's he's getting sort of seduced and locked in trees and all sorts of yeah, he, um, bizarre things. So there's a... There's, he's always read yeah, to me less like like um the like cricket being the ethic or whatever that is in um in in pinocchio like kind of ethics versus yeah that little more of like he's the wise old man but like the wise old man who could still be tempted or the wise old man that like sure has his own motives and that that i think you're right it also seems like a more fun character because like a black and white character like, is good for getting stories forward but never is the most interesting character i feel like yeah and i think more than anything I, I wanted to keep him quite mysterious like he doesn't he doesn't do very much you don't you sort of you don't get much of an idea what's going on behind that beard you know he's um he's a yeah he's this this old mentor figure you're seeing him through the eyes of these students these apprentices where he's like he's he's merlin he's this like revered crazy um powerful wizard um and yeah it's like why why has he why has he got this this person attacking him what's going on there um so there's a, there's a lot of sort of left for the, for the player to maybe pick up as they would if they were a, a student of Merlin rather than um, seeing sort of more of his, uh, more of him from, from like a personal point of view. Perfect.
Well, I want to say thank you again for talking to me today. Again, the game is Magecraft Go, wishlisted on Steam. It helps out on every <laughs> metric. And you can go check it out starting yeah, on sure. January 13th. Uh, final question for you. Do you have a price point yet, or is that still kind of TBD? Um, the price, I'm trying to think what it is in US. I believe it is $5.99 US. Okay, so $5.99 around there. USD, give them a little break. Currency exchanges are always fun when you always have to deal with this stuff on Steam. <laughs> That's what people ask me for, and I'm like, I have to just look up in your currency because yeah. I just don't know always what it translates to. <laughs> so, but again, thank you for talking yeah, to yeah. me and enjoy the rest of your day and best of luck while you're finishing up development. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by, sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow The SWW Show on social media at The SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.